Welcome everyone. I'm Dane County Executive Joe Parisi and welcome to this edition of the Dane County Podcast. Today I'm thrilled to have a good friend of mine and someone with whom the county works on a number of projects. Um, the President and CEO of the Urban League of Greater Madison, Dr. Ruben Anthony. Dr. Anthony, welcome. Thank you, Joe. I'm glad to be on with you. It'd be great to have a conversation with you. I feel like I haven't seen you in a while. I know. I'm really looking forward to this. This will be good. We have so many partnerships and so much going on, and it's just it's an exciting time in Madison. It's a, an exciting time in South Madison, and there's a lot of action happening, and the Urban League of Greater Madison is in the middle of all of this and the driver of a lot of it, too. So we hope everyone finds today's conversation um, interesting and informative, so let's go ahead and get started. Um, Ruben, I thought it might be interesting for people to maybe get just a general overview of the Urban League. You know, we're all pretty familiar with the name, the Urban League. I'm certainly familiar with a lot of your programming. But could you give us kind of a general 30,000 feet, um, what the Urban League, in particular, our local Urban League, is involved with? Sure. So the Urban League, we say we're um, in the business of educating, employing, and empowering um, African Americans and other people who might uh, not have a, a strong advocate, uh, poor people, uh, women, and a host of other folks uh, we want to make sure that uh, we are a voice uh, for some of those people who don't have a voice. But more than that, we want to do our programming uh, to make sure that we can give people access to uh, wealth development, access to opportunities, access to uh, job training, and, and to use our um, partnerships to get people in this community and jobs uh, that are in demand. Yeah. And you are involved in so many different aspects of this. You know, we'll talk a little bit about some of the partnerships that we have, you know, with job training and creating job pipelines. You're involved in making housing affordable and accessible, especially on the south side where, you know, the, the, the positive and negative of all of the economic activity going on and growth now on the south side is that it's good that there's finally a focus. There's a lot happening, but we need to be careful. And I know this is a passion of yours to prevent gentrification of the South Side. Yeah, a absolutely. While we provide services to uh, folks in this whole region, uh, right now uh, we have an emphasis on South Madison. Uh, we see gentrification running wild in South Madison, and we're concerned about whether African American, Latinos, and other uh, folks who are, are who are usually left out of these wealth development opportunities are standing on the sideline and looking in. And so we have uh, forced our way uh, into this conversation, and then we've begun to talk about the the negative impacts of uh, gentrification. And we were talking earlier, and I told you that I've seen this uh, happen uh, firsthand uh, as a person that grew up in uh, uh, New York. And I grew up in Yonkers, New York, but I spent a lot of time in Harlem. Uh, my mother's uh, sisters lived in Harlem, and so I spent a lot of time on 118th Street, 125th Street. And maybe four years ago or so, I went back uh, to visit the old neighborhood, and it had changed. Uh, it was 100% you know, African-American and Latino uh, when we were growing up. Uh, but when I went back, it was changed. It was all new condominiums. Uh, it was doctor's offices. And I asked the question, I was like, where are the black people that used to be here? And they got moved out. And, and the community is different, you know, now. And the same thing uh, we see happening uh, in uh, Madison, where a lot of uh, new development is coming in. And those people that have traditionally lived in South Madison may not be able to afford to live there now because some of these rents are two or $3,000 a month. And so while it's nice to see the improvements, 
it's it's not nice to see the fact that you know um, we're driving people out of the neighborhood and it's not good to see that um we don't have inclusive development so we're proposing a renaissance in south madison so that brown and black people and other people can be a part of this development and it, it might be an inclusive development so you've got projects like the the urban league um our um, black business hub you know on the horizon uh you've got the uh, center for black excellence that will be coming in 2024. you've got central hispano and the work that they do a shovel went in the ground you know a few weeks ago so they're on their way and our building is almost done so you know so we're beyond the talking stage and now we're in the stage of actually executing and collectively these projects will change the landscape in south madison yeah and and ruben that's the thing that i admire so much about you is that you don't just talk you know it's important to talk it's important to make people's voices heard but you act. And I was joking with you the other day when we were talking about the Black Business Hub, for example. Um, you know, this went, and we'll talk a little bit, you know, about the Black Business Hub and what exactly it is and where it's going. But only a few years back, this was an idea in your head. And today yeah. it's a reality. And, you know, when, when Reuben Anthony sets his eyes on something, look out, you better hop on the train because if you step in front of it, you're going to get run over by it. And Reuben, getting that kind of stuff done, especially you know, in a community where sometimes development is, is it can be challenging, right? And, yeah. you know, on the South Side, where before the Black Business Hub concept came to be, and before you started moving forward with that, there had not been a lot of action in South Madison. We were certainly fortunate that Jack Daniels and his folks at MATC developed, you know, MATC on the South Side. That was a very important public project. But what you did is took an idea and created a private public partnership that is bricks and mortar as we speak and set to open in the near future. And, and so once you started moving forward with that, other projects that people had in their minds or that maybe people hadn't dreamt of yet started to become a reality. And we see the face of South Madison undergoing a, an incredible transformation. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So the, uh, the Jack Daniels Madison College project you know, kind of gave um, the new permission that, that uh, it's okay to invest in South Madison. Mm -hmm. Now, keep in mind that the Urban League had been there, uh, right. you know, and had a vote of confidence in South Madison, you know, um, 2009, 2010. Mm -hmm. uh, but having Madison College, you know, come along now and move their downtown facility into South Madison was a vote of confidence to developers that it's okay uh, to come there. Uh, and so uh, I always say, you know, um, that, you know, Jack led the way uh, in these more recent years. But in terms of uh, grabbing a hold to this whole concept of a renaissance and changing the whole face of uh, South Madison and doing it collectively, saying that the Urban League can't do it by itself, mm -hmm. but it's these collective projects that I just mentioned are the ones that really do it. So we have to set the example that we can make it real. So we, as we embarked on the Black Business Hub, we put together a design-build uh, scenario where we wanted to be designed and built at the same time. And my board often says that we're building it as we're flying it. And in this environment, you know, you have to step in where there is opportunity. And I'll tell you, you know, the George Floyd, you know, um, error um, kind of made a difference in softening the hearts and, and uh, opening up the minds of people uh, to make an investment. And so um, we stepped into that space with the understanding that we have to move fast. And I want to say this, you know, when we first announced that we wanted to do the Black Business Hub, 
you and the county were the first ones on board. When I told you what we wanted to do, you didn't question or anything. You said, we're in for $2 million. We had that press conference, and it was just an idea at that time. It was less than two years ago, right? You know, you stood up with us, and, and so did, um, at that time, Supervisor Sheila Stubbs. And we stood, and it was hot out there. <laughs> we were sweating. And he was like, why do we got on jackets, right? You know, and, and we said that we were going to build a black business up. And we released this idea of a renaissance in South Madison. And it's now happening. Yeah. And it would not have happened if it wasn't for the commitment of the county. You've been a great partner, not just on this, but on many things. But this really helped us really launch this. Because when we got that $2 million from you, investors that this was a real project and and as we went into to talk about the need of a black business hub things just really took off well i appreciate that ruben i mean it was an easy investment for us to make um, because of who we were investing in and could you talk a little bit about kind of the timeline now and i mean as we just said it's only been a couple of years ago that this yeah. has gone from idea and now under construction could you talk a little bit about when the hub will is is set to open and, and maybe give us a little the listeners a little overview of what what the business hub is and what its yes, mission sir. is and what what will be going on there all right, so we broke ground in April of uh, last year. If you remember, uh, you were out there, the governor was out there, the mayor was out there. And that was a cold uh, day. <laughs> it was a cold day. Like 400 people came out there, you know, to cheer us on, and it was cold, man. Yeah. But we broke ground, you know, almost a year ago. And now um, the hub is almost finished. The core in the shell is almost there, and uh, we expect to start doing the uh, tenant, uh, tenant build-outs now. We expect the uh, first tenant, uh, WEDC, to move into the space uh, in June. And we expect the um, by September, or, uh, August or September, uh, that we might have a grand opening. Prior to that grand opening uh, this summer for our uh, Unity picnic, we expect to have tours of um, the hub to kind of let people see uh, what that hub is all about. But the hub is an 80,000 square foot, four-story uh, facility. And on that top floor is gonna be the co-working space. This will be the space where we'll deal with uh, minority-owned business growth from, from the start you know, um, to the finish. So we talk about having a full ecosystem of services to support those businesses. And Joe, one of the reasons that it was needed uh, for our hub here in Dane County is that we've got 10,000 or so businesses in Dane County with more than one employee. And only four-tenths of a percent or 40 of those businesses are African-American businesses. And on top of that, when you look at access to capital, when we were at the height of COVID, African-American companies only got 5% of the PPP loans that were available. 95% of those who went for those loans were denied. So we needed to provide you know, access to capital. So we're going to build this hub where we've got the co-working spaces on the fourth floor, where you can have a desk, you can have uh, office, multiple office spaces, uh, you can have access to event space, indoor, outdoor. And then we'll have uh, support service, supportive services in the building, like Wibbick will be in the building, uh, the Black Chamber of Commerce. Uh, we'll have Summit in the building and Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation and many others in the building. WEDC will take up most of the third floor. On that second floor, again, we'll have um, a beauty school. Um, we'll have a therapist. And then on the first floor, we expect to have an Afro-Caribbean corner restaurant. We'll have a bunch of co-working spaces there. We'll have another government tenant on the first floor. And then on that lower floor, we expect to have a commercial kitchen, which we're in partnership with the county on. So it'll be a full commercial kitchen with um, cold storage, um, dry storage, bike racks, 
and a host of other things. So it's just going to be a wonderful facility, again, where we can take those businesses through the full life cycle of development. And we've already started training. We started a partnership with Generator, and uh, we're on our third cohort with Generator. They offer what they call G-Alpha and G-Beta cohorts. G-Alpha is for those businesses that are new and, and starting up. G-Beta is for more experienced businesses that are looking to scale up. We're on our second G-Alpha course and finished our first G-Beta course. So. I mean, not only do we have a building, but we've got services where we're giving out grants and loans. We've given out five grants for $50,000 each to some of those businesses that are looking to scale up. So we're going to bring it, Joe. It's so exciting. You know, I just think of the synergies that are going to happen within that building. And then, Ruben, you know, I, I think we could come back here five years from now. And I can imagine even beyond our wildest dreams what the hub will spur in the area right? Because this isn't going to be just the hub and what goes on there. This is another vote of confidence, another place of a lot of things happening in South Madison. And more and more people are going to want to be there and be part of that. Yeah, Joe, you're right. The, the hub is going to have an economic multiplier effect. And I was talking to uh, Zach Brandon from the, uh, from the uh, chamber uh, here in uh, Madison. And uh, he says, Ruben, after he saw the presentation, he said, this is the missing piece in the region. It won't just help South Madison, but it's going to help the whole region, because when we develop those businesses in the hub, they're going to leave. This is just the nest. They're mm -hmm. going to go on the west side. They're going to go on the east side. They're going to go to Sun Prairie. They're going to go to Verona. Mm -hmm. And so this is just the start. And then those jobs that the neighbors in that in the uh, South Madison area can walk to those jobs. We're going to create over 200 jobs, you know, from the different uh, businesses and government and nonprofit organizations that's there. So. This is going to be an economic development gift to this community that's going to keep on giving for multiple generations. Yeah, there's so much untapped potential in this community that just needs the opportunity to thrive. I think it's important to focus on the positive aspect of this, right? I mean, because it is, and it's something that, that, that is growing that's going to make a difference. But I think it's also important kind of to reflect on something you said. You probably weren't thinking too much about it even, and maybe you were when you mentioned a little while ago when we were talking about gentrification, and you said you forced yourself into the conversation. The fact that you had to force yourself into that conversation, the fact that it has taken so long and that, that, that it took someone with your vision and your drive to make the hub happen, I mean, I think that's something for us to, it's important to reflect on also and be aware of that, you know, it took people in the community who understand the South Side, who understand the community, people who are African-American, who understand the African-American community demanding a seat at the table. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. Um, these are times, Joe, where uh, we have to address uh, many of the disparities that uh, we face in this community, from education disparities to economic disparities. And uh, it's not time to sit on your hands. It's, it's time for the community uh, to be a part of uh, the uh, solution. And, you know, we started a conversation with the community called the uh, Agenda South. And if you remember, SSM, uh, Dean, they were going to take out the grocery store with their uh, redesign. And uh, I did call uh, uh, Damon Boatwright, who was the regional um, president and CEO at the time. And, uh, you know, we're friends. I said, hey, I, I got to promise you something. I said, what I can promise you is if you take out that grocery store, we're not going to be friends at the end of the day. I just need to warn you about that. 
And so he says, what do you mean? I said, because you're going to cause a, a food desert and you're really going to hurt um, South Madison. So we started that conversation with them. We brought him in a room and after talking to him, he understood and they actually built, you know, or remodeled in place. And, and, but, and then they put together um, a supply diversity strategy uh, because the community said, not only don't we want you to build there, we want you to make more strides in hiring uh, brown and black people in your organization. And when you build your building, we wanna be involved in that too. And that turned out to be um, a great you know, um, thing uh, for South Madison. But it was it led to more conversations about you know how we can be inclusive and how our voice is important and how we not don't need to just sit on our hands and and we can make a difference if we speak up and come together as a community to talk about what our vision is because I think we have to have a shared vision for how you know this transformation or how this renaissance in South Madison should occur. Yeah, it's it, it's really as simple as you know if you want a community to thrive, you need to ask the community what it needs. Right. And how the community itself wants to grow. You can't come in and do it to someone, right? It, it, it has yeah. to be in partnership and with someone and community driven, which is what you've been you've been doing. You know, um, we were talking a little bit about some of the some of the other programming that you do at the Urban League um, that, that that kind of relates to some of this. The construction. Um, you have a, a, a team that you work with with some job training. You do. You've partnered with a, a solar installer, and they're going to be doing some of the work installing the solar panels on on the new hub. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we work with one Operation Fresh Start uh, to get hands-on experience for community members that come through our foundations for uh, the trades program. But in addition to that, we've been able to build a relationship with uh, Sunpeak. And uh, through that uh, relationship, not only have we been able to expose people to carpentry and, and other aspects of the trades, we've been able to have them participate, you know, in uh, renewable energy. Mm -hmm. And so on our Black Business Hub will have a solar system and uh, will use um, the next class from the foundation for uh, the trades to actually um, put those uh, to install the uh, solar on top of our building. Yesterday was the first day that I had an opportunity to walk through um, the hub building. And uh, we had our foundations for the trades uh, folks working in there. They were putting in the staircases. They were showing them how to put in walls. And it, it was really just an emotional thing, really, to kind of see people uh, from the community uh, that needed a second chance in there now. And when we left there, Tri North said that there are a couple of people in this class that are really good that, that, that we're going to hire. Uh, Hunt, you know, we were able to get Hunt to come in there to do the uh, HVAC. And um, uh, Amigo, you know, a, a Latino company, they live three houses down and he's putting on the exterior cladding. And I'm like, so what a wonderful way to make this project the community's project uh, because those individuals are helping build it. And so, you know, thanks goes to uh, uh, Tri North and J JLA Architects for diversifying um, the workforce and the businesses that are helping build it out. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times when we when we talk about diversifying workforces, be it in the trades or elsewhere, people say, well, yeah, I'd love to, but it's too hard. I can't find anyone. There isn't anyone out there. But you're showing that it can be done and how it can be done. It's built by the community, for the community, and it's inclusive. And, and absolutely. So we use what we call a, a TBO, targeted uh, business opportunities, and that includes women, handicapped veterans, African-Americans, Latinos, and, and all of those. And, and we know that sometimes it's uh, a pipeline issue. Do you actually have those businesses here ready, willing, and able to work? Or do you have the labor ready, willing, and, and able to work? 
it comes down to leadership, you know, on these projects. When you set those expectations, it's just like anything else in the market. If someone wants your work, uh, they'll find a way, even if, if they're not compelled to do it, they'll find aspirational ways to kind of get it done. And that's all we're expecting is to yeah. go out there and do your best, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, that's great. It's, you know, we found that Ruben in, in, you know, some of the partnerships that we have um, with the Urban League in the county, one of the partnerships that, you know, I'm most excited about and has certainly benefited Dane County has been a program that it's a partnership between Dane County, the Urban League and the Latino um, Workforce Academy. And so as, as Dane County, um, and I'm speaking more to, the, to our, our listeners right now, because I know you're familiar with this, Ruben, um, but as Dane County has looked over the years at our workforce and how we can better diversify our workforce, one department that stood out as having little to no diversity was our highway department. You know, it's been a traditional kind of white male job, right? Driving trucks, doing construction, and that's kind of where that pipeline, and sometimes these pipelines can be kind of self-perpetuating, right? You know someone who's, you know, looking for a job, you know there's a job there, you tell them to apply. So what we did in the highway department, we kind of dissected it. We were like, why is this? Why, why are we unable to attract candidates? And what we learned there is that in order to work in our highway department, you need a CDL or a commercial driver's license. And a commercial driver's license is not always easy to get. We don't have that in, in, the, in the local schools or the local technical college offered right now. There is a school, you know, out in some prairie, but that's not really an option for everyone. You need transportation. You need to be able to afford it. And so just this requirement of a CDL, which you need because you operate a bunch of heavy equipment, was really narrowing the pool of people who could apply. So we have a saying, don't tell me why we can't, show me how we can, right? So we knew why we can't, what the problem was, was there, there was little access to CDLs. So what we did was we said, okay, how can we develop a program that gives people who want to do this the opportunity to get training and earn a CDL? So with the Urban League and Latino Workforce Academy, on your side, you folks found people who are interested in getting a CDL and working either in highway or some department, you know, or even outside of the county once they have a CDL. And what we did is we looked at some of our LTE programs and we bring people on and we said, hey, we can use that LTE program. And when folks are doing the work, they can be getting the training they need in order to take their CDL, in order to be prepared to take their CDL test. And once they take their CDL test, then they'd be qualified to apply for work with the highway department. And it's been incredibly successful. We've created this pipeline that's a perpetual pipeline now of people who come in, they work, and while they're working, they get training. And when job openings come up, they have the, the, the credentials they need to apply. And, you know, I was actually out at the highway department yesterday. Our, our highway commissioner is retiring, and, and so a bunch of folks gathered for him. And I tell you, the, the, the crowd, the, the folks who work at the highway department, it is a much more diverse department now certainly than it was even a half dozen years ago. And that's good for everyone. It's good for the workers. It's good for the community, for the county as, as an employer. We have people from different walks of life who bring different problem-solving experience to the table. And so we can talk about diversity on one hand, but what's really important is what are we going to do about it? And how can we put together programming that accomplishes that goal? And I have to thank you, Ruben, you know, and Baltazar from Latino Workforce Academy, um, because it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work putting these things together, but these are the kind of things we need to do to make sure everyone has access to these opportunities. 
Yeah, Joe, I, I have to thank you for the partnership and definitely uh, thank uh, Jerry Manley, mm -hmm. uh, who will be missed. I've known Jerry probably for 30 years uh, with, yeah. uh, you know, working with him when I was at the Department of Transportation uh, for uh, the state. Uh, but with this program, you and uh, Jerry have helped um, remove a barrier. And that barrier had been um, getting that access uh, to uh, the training to prepare individuals to get uh, the CDL uh, license. And certainly, um, Baltazar and the uh, Latino Academy of Workforce Development uh, have uh, been uh, uh, good partners in this. Uh, these jobs, uh, we've done um, seven cohorts so far. And I think the last cohort, we had wind it down to three people. And those three people got jobs, uh, you know, after finishing. They scored the highest of all the seven cohorts on their exams uh, for um, the county jobs. And I was uh, my workforce development director, uh, Trista Whitehorse. She was so happy a couple of days ago. She called me and she says, uh, you know, uh, when it was snowing out there, um, she said, I saw one of our guys driving the snowplow. And it was just a great thing to see uh, that, again, most of these individuals that, that are coming, they, they don't sometimes uh, have uh, the confidence in themselves that they can go into like uh, highway, you know, a heavy equipment operating but boy when they come through this program you know um you'll be lucky to keep them because it is a wonderful program yeah. and it's a scarcity of those with uh, uh cdl licenses uh, to drive heavy equipment so i just applaud you for um the partnership and a lot of times people focus on uh, public and private partnerships but public and non-profit partnerships yeah. uh you know pay off uh, great dividends and we've seen that with this program and we certainly have seen that with the uh the black business hub which is a private public and non-profit partnership pp ppn not ppp yeah you know so i think it is it's important and one of the reasons i like to talk about this because you know i'd like if there are other employers listening to this program or other nonprofits, anyone to think about that pipeline creation and how can you create that pipeline? Because again, too often someone will say, well, no one applied. The pool wasn't deep enough, you know, so we, so we didn't have a diverse pool. Well, there are things you can do to make the pool more diverse because it's, it's, a lot of it's about the grapevine too. You know, you need to be inclusive and make sure everyone has access to this. Yeah, Joe, can I say one more thing? Yeah. So, you know, when you when you have like an operation, a snow plow removing operation or heavy equipment operation, sometimes during the season, some of that equipment might be underutilized. And we, we and we talked about that when we first started. Some of that winter equipment might be underutilized, but that's a great opportunity or a great time to train others about, you know, how to use and operate that equipment. And you took advantage and your team took advantage of that opportunity where you had low time you were able to add value to a nonprofit and to um, community members by saying, let's, you, let, let's train on this equipment while, while it's uh, in the downtime. Yeah. And so it's a great program. Yeah, yeah, no, we really appreciate it. And, you know, this is similar. It, it's similar. We, we touched on it a little bit to your, your partnership with that solar company, right, where, where you guys met. My understanding is, is you were having a conversation with the owner of the company and he was talking about the need for workers and you were saying, well, maybe we can do a partnership. And so your foundation for the trades, Ruben, did you want to talk a little bit about what exactly that is then? Is, is, sure. is it kind of literally what it sounds like? Yeah. So the foundation for the trades is uh, an opportunity. Uh, it usually takes about six uh, to seven uh, weeks of training. And so uh, we partner with Operation Fresh Start, uh, we partner with uh, Sunpeak and other uh, entities so that 
um, members from the community that don't have construction experience and they want to enter into the trades, they get a chance to, one, have classroom training about the different career opportunities in the trades. They get to learn about how you can uh, access uh, the unions. Uh, they take actually training uh, to prepare them for the AccuPlacer test. Uh, we brought in a math tutor uh, because sometimes math is the most difficult part you know, of, uh, of, of that training. And so helping them get through the fear of math and, and really uh, how to do blueprint reading. And then the hands-on part comes in where Operation Fresh Start teaches them how to use the hammer, how to use the saw, how to use the equipment. And now actually uh, they take them out in the field and, and give them the experience at building a house or, or participating on a construction project. And then uh, at the end of that training period, you know, we bring in um, different construction companies. And I can tell you the construction companies are almost fighting for these guys today. So if you get eight uh, men and our women, you know, coming through this training program, almost all of them have like, you know, more uh, one or, or two um, job offers. And, you know, it's um, really special to see these folks get these jobs. I was at the, uh, the forest two weeks ago when uh, President Biden came to town and, and uh, they were actually at the union shop there. And one of the young men in that audience, uh, he saw me, he had his uh, construction hat on and he had his vest on and, and he called me over and he says, hey, he says, who are you? And I said, I'm Reuben Anthony. He said, where do you work? He said, I said, at the Urban League. He said, hey, he said, I went through your foundations for, for the trades program. He said, before I came through that program, he says, you know, I was on the streets of Chicago doing some things. But he says, now I'm making 30 something dollars an hour. You know, I can provide for my family. That's and great. that is the experience that, you know, we want to repeat over and over with our foundations for the trades program. And that's what we want to do with our CDL program. These young men and women, they come in and they train in this CDL program as an LTE for, for 24 bucks an hour. If they're lucky enough to pass the exam and get hired, they're going to be making $30 an hour. These are game changing type of uh, jobs, you know, or careers. It's not just a job. It's a career, you know, uh, change for these people. That's right. Yeah. And Ruben, as I think, you know, I mean, my dad was a construction worker. And the thing that I find interesting is that, you know, a lot of times people just aren't aware of what a good career this is, or they're not aware of how to access it. Right. So I grew up around a bunch of construction people. I knew if I wanted to go into construction, I knew how to do it. My friends, my family knew how to do it. But if you didn't grow up around that, I mean, it can be kind of challenging. Where do you start? How do you learn initially what you need to learn? What's an apprenticeship? How do you get in? And so all people need is opportunity and they need access to that opportunity and lives change. And you're right. These are careers. This is what put paid the, you know, paid the mortgage and put the food on the table when I was growing up. And these are, these are life changing careers and there's a need. This is also a service to the greater community because fewer and fewer people are going into the trades at a time when a lot of people are retiring from the trades. And so just the example that you gave of a life that was changed because someone had an opportunity to empower themselves and change their life. So Joe, uh, my mother and father both were union workers. My mother was in uh, IBEW, International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers for many years. And my father was a, a teamster for almost 20 years and then he started his own business. But uh, he did uh, plumbing and home improvement and maintenance. And I can remember when I was a graduate student at um, Jackson State, 
and uh, I would follow him to make extra money with the plumbing in Mississippi. In Mississippi, the houses are raised up off the ground and you have to go under the house uh, to do the plumbing. And I was always afraid of snakes. And I'm like, so, you know, and I was a big guy too. And I'm like, you want me to come down there? He said, and I'm just handing him the tools. And he would always say, son, he said, you just got to make a, enough noise before you get under there. And he'd be <laughs> under there fixing it. It'd be a hundred degrees out there. And, you know, um, one time um, he did a big job and uh, he got a check and he showed me the check. He said, college boy, do you make money like this? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then he made a, a good living, uh, you know, in the trades. And it is um, a great, you know, opportunity uh, to have a career. Yeah. You know, sometimes college um, is not, you know, the right thing uh, for, for everybody. And there's nothing wrong with doing a honest, hard labor, you know, That's and right. th stuff like that, but it's hard work. But if you're ready to show up on a job, you know, every day, you know, and learn, you know, and uh, be able to put up with a little stuff because uh, it's not going to be um, an easy route, you know, uh, you know, being in, out in the field uh, with construction workers, sometimes there's some cultural in, mm -hmm. uh, insensitivity and things like that, but you have to toughen up, you know, and, and be able to you make it through. I spent 24 years in the transportation industry, and that was pretty much uh, an all-white male, um, yep. you know, industry, you know, as well. I can remember um, when I first got hired on as the uh, deputy secretary there, I had to tell the road builders, um, you know, uh, when I came in that we were going to have a, more, a higher supply of diversity. So I'm up um, in Lake Delta somewhere, and uh, so I go into this room, and I'm the only black guy in the room, and there's all these old white dudes in the room, and I say we're going to increase the goal. Well, increasing the goal decreases their money. By the time that I got back to the office, they had called my boss. He, he said about 10 people called him and said, this guy should be fired. But, you know, uh, people don't want change in that industry, um, but it provides an opportunity for you to go in there and um, do your best and um, try to, um, you know, make it work. Is there any way, Ruben, to describe what that felt like? I mean, that sounds um, pretty intimidating to me, but you're not easily intimidated has been my experience. <laughs> <No>. I... <laughs> yeah, it, it was, you know, when, um, I knew I had a mission uh, uh, when I got there that uh, we were going to get higher supply of diversity because we were getting ready to build the Marquette Interchange, an $800 million project in the city of Milwaukee. Yep. And I also had to go tell the folks in the city of Milwaukee um, that we were bringing that project through. And it had destroyed so many black neighborhoods and parks and things when it initially came through um, that that was a hard conversation as well. But I knew that this time around, if we did it, African-Americans could not just be sitting on their porches on the outside and watching people come in there and get paid $25, $30 an hour and, and not be included. You know, and I also knew that the minority owned businesses, the most of them are in Milwaukee. And, and at that time, you know, the governor said that in order to um, uh, have uh, successful economic development for the whole state, it has to happen in Milwaukee, too. So I was on a mission when I went in there and I knew um, that I had to deliver this message. And uh, I knew that it was going to be tough because um, for years, nobody had ever um, forced a hand of uh, the road building industry to say that, uh, you know, you have to bring in more brown and black individuals. And I'll tell you, on that Marquette Interchange project, we broke records of the 4,000 workers that were on that project. 1,000 of them were minority workers. Wow. Of the businesses that worked on that project, we gave $124 million to um, 
women and minority owned workers. So it was about 84 workers or something like that, 84 businesses on that project. So I know um, um, that it can happen. And so with all of the scrutiny that I took uh, for that, you know, from that industry, it was worthwhile because some of those companies are still around today. That's great. I mean, it's just another example of the drive and determination and abilities of Ruben Anthony, that's for sure. Um, Ruben, one more project I'd like to talk about before we wrap it up is, you know, we, we touched briefly, I want to bring it back to the South Side and gentrification. In addition to everything else you're involved with, we've just touched on a few of the things. You've been involved in homeownership on the South Side, too. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how that's gone? Sure. The, the Urban League of Greater Madison has been involved in home ownership for several decades. Initially, um, they participated in low-income housing tax credits, uh, a program where they bought over 50 homes. And with those 50 or so homes, uh, an individual had to live in a home and lease a home for 15 years before they could become a homeowner. We had zero defaults on that program, and all those individuals now own their homes. Uh, more recently, in the last couple of years, uh, we changed the financing method and we started using our new market tax credits. And with the new market tax credits, we purchased 16 homes and most of those were in South Madison. With that, we can make families homeowners from day one. The Urban League acts as the bank. Um, we put together a financing package and we are able to give them interest only loans for seven years. And so after seven years, they have to refinance and take the Urban League out of the deal. But one special part of that program was that we were able to have them, because they're only paying interest only, put some money aside, you know, for maintenance of those homes. If a roof goes out or a heater goes out, they've got funds to work with. If it doesn't go out, they've got that money after seven years, in addition to the equity from remodeling the homes. All the homes we remodeled, so they were almost like new. And so now uh, we talk about wealth building. This is real wealth building because uh, we made an investment in the improvement. We transfer that wealth to, to this family and we give them that money that's in that wealth building account. And guess what? You know, home ownership is the way uh, that most of us send our kids to college. Uh, it's the way that we invest in businesses and it's that nest egg that we need for retirement. So this is real wealth building um, from our standpoint. Yeah, I mean, and I look at the, the term wealth building and on so many levels, that's what you're doing. It would be, be it with the home ownership, with the job training, with the Black Business Hub, with not only the construction of it, but the growing, the entrepreneurship, the growing businesses on so many levels, just the core of what needs to be done. That's what's at the core of so much of what you're doing. No, that's, that's absolutely right, because so often, you know, um, we don't have, not only don't we have access to capital, but we don't have access uh, to the right types of opportunities to allow us to be able to support our families, to be able to send our um, kids to college and just to, you know, make a, a sustainable um, living. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I have to say for anyone listening to this who wasn't sure what the Urban League was involved with and what you did and what you accomplish on a daily basis, I can't help but imagine how impressed people must be right now. And I'm going to, Ruben didn't ask me to do this, but I'm going to let people know when it comes time to support local nonprofits um, and you're looking for a, a group that is effective and is a change maker in this community, 
remember the Urban League. It's it's an investment. Certainly, as Ruben mentioned, the county has made investments in the Urban League with the Urban League and gone into partnership with the Urban League because the return on that investment is huge because it's such an amazingly impactful organization. And, and Ruben, we're just so grateful to you and your team. That, and, and it's quite a team that you have there too for the difference. It's one of the hardest working teams that, that I have seen. And it's one of the most results-driven teams that I've witnessed also. And uh, it's it's so appreciated. I can't imagine our community without you and without the Urban League. You know, Ruben, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about before we wrap up, you know, when, when I sit here and listen to you and when I talk to you on other occasions, it's almost mind-boggling the difference that you've made and, and that you continue to take on challenges and that you continue to to transform communities and to transform lives. And you do it from a sense a place of altruism. I know you well enough to know that. You're motivated by your desire to help others. There's there's no ego when where Ruben Anthony is involved. And I wonder, Ruben, so what what has your experience been like for you on a personal level? I mean, you've changed and you're changing so many lives. I'm wondering kind of what your journey, this journey has been for you and how it's impacted you. Yeah. So, so first, Joe, thanks for um, recognizing uh, the great staff that we have at the Urban League, because uh, one of my secret sauces is always um, surrounding myself by, or with people that are much better than me. You know, I do a, a lot of talking and a lot of um, directing, but we have staff that and partners that can get it done. And so the journey for me, you know, has been, um, you know, I come from Yonkers, New York, and um, I come from a, a very... Um, poor neighborhood, um, but it was the um, the Urban League, you know, at that time, you know, I went to the Urban League as a kid that was there for me. It was the community centers um, there for me. And it was the community um, that got behind me to say, you know, you got an opportunity to go and do something great. You know, you seem to be uh, smart, go use it for the betterment of the community. Don't forget, you know, about the community and I never will. And so I feel blessed to have the opportunity to serve. I've been in Madison for about 35 years and I raised a family here, um, three children, you know, and so it's been it's been good. And so at this point, it's like um, giving back, preparing um, the next generation of leaders, but doing as much as we can do uh, to um, serve um, the people of this community, listening um, to the people of this community and, and letting them know that they have our air people walk in my office, you know, like it's an open door policy. And, and I always wanted to be like that. We are here um, um, to serve this community and then to do it behind a wonderful brand like the Urban League. The Urban League has been around since uh, 1910 and it, with the original intent, you know, of helping uh, black people find their way into safe places. Uh, during the um, early days, uh, they were wanting uh, to help folks that were running from the Jim Crow South find their way into good manufacturing and factory jobs. And my family was a part of that migration. In 1961, you know, my mother was pregnant with me and her and five other uh, of her siblings all left, you know, Mississippi running from Jim Crow, looking for the type of opportunity that I did find in New York, the type of opportunity that I found here in Wisconsin. And we need to continue to make a way 
and continue to provide opportunities for brown and black people. And again, Joe, like you said, is to uh, kid ourselves out of the way, um, but you know, find the great partnerships uh, that we can have and, and uh, surround ourselves with um, people that wanna work uh, just as hard as we do uh, to make a difference uh, here in uh, Madison and Dane County. Well, you make a difference, you do, that's for sure. Um, Ruben, I appreciate you so much. I'm honored to call you my friend. I, I appreciate the fact that you took the time today um, to out of your schedule. I will say for the record that this is late Friday afternoon during March Madness, and everyone else on the planet is watching basketball. We're here on the podcast today. <laughs> and my team is playing. My alma, my, my alma mater is playing. Marquette is playing right now. They're going to win it all. All right. All right. There we go. <laughs> Anything else before we sign off, Ruben, that I may not have covered or you wanted to put out there? Joe, thank you for being who you are. Um, we've had a partnership, you know, uh, from day one, yeah. and it's been a genuine partnership of uh, how we can make a greater difference together in Dane County. And so I thank you for that. And I look forward to continuing to um, to build and uh, to help each other um, with these um, public and nonprofit partnerships. Excellent. Likewise. Well, thanks again, Ruben. Thanks, everyone who joined us today for listening. If you like today's podcast, share it with your friends. Um, more people should know about the Urban League of Greater Madison and what they're doing and our friend, Dr. Ruben Anthony. So again, I'll sign off for now. Until next time, this has been the Dane County Podcast. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Joe.